I always like to say that employees, they don't work for companies, they work for themselves, right? So there are usually many different reasons why an employee works with the company that they do. But once you're able to tap into the why of the employees that are part of your organization that is delivering on the promise to the customer, once you're able to connect their why with the why of the company, you have a wonderful opportunity to create and brainstorm around messaging and things that get you on the same page and get them consistently excited about delivering on that promise and being part of an organization that does just that. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can find us also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. And joining me today to discuss the role of the people function in marketing a company's mission, vision, and purpose, in addition to products and services, is Carrie Ann Benton Stimson. Carrie Ann is Chief Marketing Officer at JMMB Group, headquartered in Kingston, Jamaica. Carrie Ann also hosts the Internal Marketing Podcast, where she and her guests discuss internal marketing and employee advocacy. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Carrie Ann. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to share with you today. Have, I hope you're well. <laughs> oh, it's it's wonderful here. We've uh, it's been chilly here in Texas, uh, and we've but today it's supposed to be up into the 70s. So we're wow. we had our three weeks of winter here, and we're back to to good weather. So great, and great. it's always good where you're at in, in, in Jamaica. Oh, yeah. I know. Yes, I was saying I'd send some warm Jamaican sunshine and oh. beach weather your way. <laughs> Perfect. There's some other things you can send me from Jamaica too, but we won't talk about those on, okay. <laughs> on the air. <laughs> so let's start in the big picture. As in, in an organization at the macro level, what is the role of the marketing function? Well, I'll say just as a basic, basic breakdown, in my view, the role of the marketing function is it's multifaceted, but ultimately we are about how do we reach our prospective customers, let them know what's the value proposition, why they need to do business with us, and we bring them in. And at the end of the day, that's why we're in business. We're in business to serve our customers and the marketing function leads that, no doubt. And then there's the sales function and some organizations, marketing and sales are basically the same organization. And other times marketing is just that lead generation, getting our brand out, getting people aware of who we are. And then it comes into sales. But often sales and marketing work pretty well together. I mean, they're, you know, um, but then we have this issue where sales gets that piece of paper signed. We've got the contract, we've got the agreement, but there's that handoff between sales and operations, you know, the people who actually have to execute on what sales promised, which sometimes it's a sales problem, right? They've overpromised or not promised the right things. But where does that really go wrong on the operations side in, in that handoff? 
Well, you, you've highlighted a great point there, Mike, because, well, first of all, the relationship between marketing and sales, I think, varies depending on the type of organization or company that you're in. Uh, so you would have companies like consumer products, you know, uh, the Pepsis and the uh, Dove soaps of the world where the marketing is the selling, you know, it's really how you're putting your brand out there and then the customers, they see it on the supermarket shelves and they buy it and bring it in. Uh, but then there are institutions like mine where I'm in a financial services group where you do have to have a strong, robust team of financial advisors that are responsible for bringing the customers in or certainly onboarding them once marketing has created that demand. And so the breakdown tends to occur when you have a situation where you have a sales team with targets to hit which are really near term. It's like month to month. I got to sell X number of savings accounts or open X number of brokerage accounts. And then you have the marketing function, which is about creating demand, which is more longer term, medium to long term. And sometimes the patience level of the sales team to align with what marketing is doing, they don't always line up. And so that's where the breakdown often occurs. And so it's really an ongoing issue that both teams have in always ensuring that they're on the same page, their objectives are lined up, and that whatever the marketing team is doing, they're able to demonstrate the value and the impact of that to the sales team. And the sales team understands clearly how the marketing function partners with them to achieve their goals. So it's really at the heart of it, a lot of communication, a lot of interaction in ensuring that everybody is on the same page, working towards the same objective and how that's done. And both of those functions are basically just feeding work to the operations side. They're giving the operations something to do today, right? Is you know, we've got this yeah. new customer and you need to onboard them. Where do you see that onboarding disconnecting from what sales and marketing has done and uh, and maybe the promises they've made versus what actually happens when somebody from operations actually talks to that new customer for the first time? I think the biggest challenge you have, because you use the word onboarding, and it does start there, and I think it continues right throughout the life of that team member or employee or associate uh, as they work through the organization. It's the fact that a lot of the times, the kind of effort that we put into onboarding our sales and marketing folks and getting them really ingrained in the brand and the mission, the vision, the purpose, the products and the services, that doesn't happen with the same level of intensity with the operations team. And so they don't always see themselves and the role that they play with those dots connecting right back to Again, the end consumer, the end customer, where at the end of the day, that's why we're here. We're here to serve them. We're here to bring them in. The operations folks don't always get the opportunity to see how those dots connect. And so I think that's where the issue is. And yes, it starts at onboarding, but it also continues right throughout their lives in the organization because they're, they're never given the opportunity to be properly onboarded in the brand. Who do, who, who are we? What do we stand for? And they also don't get the opportunity to see, well, how does my role impact what this customer is experiencing? How, how do I add value in these situations? That whole disconnect happens. And unfortunately, you see it play out in many, many different ways. So what you're saying is, you know, I imagine that those frontline employees who are directly dealing with employee, with customers who are answering the phone, 
maybe they're making deliveries or they're interfacing with uh, the customer directly. I imagine a lot of companies do a pretty good job of making sure those people are representing the company in a, in a, in a positive way. Uh, but I think what you're saying is that all those employees, the back office employees who may never talk to a customer and may never see a customer, and certainly the customers aren't aware that they're there, that their integration and onboarding into the organization and the, the organization's purpose and values and all that are just as important than as those frontline. How does that how do how does that importance play out? Absolutely. And that's a great question because it's not something that a lot of companies put a lot of thought in. So I think you and I are agreed, right? And, and who isn't when we talk about the frontline employees are super important because they're the ones that interface directly with customers. The reality is, though, again, depending on what industry your company is in or what role you play in the company, we've already made a brand promise to the customer. We've said, look, you need to buy buy from us, you need to do business from us for these reasons. Having made that promise and the customers have then taken the decision to choose us, every point of interface that they have with us has to deliver on the brand promise that we would have said we, we, we can deliver on. So whether again, it is on the front line in a customer service type face-to-face -face or on the phone interaction, even digitally uh, via some kind of chat window, even in on the operation side, they too need to be a part of that conversation and they need to understand, well, what role do I play? So when you think about even your IT team, if they're building an app, right, a service delivery app for your customers, how they design the app, the user interface, the user experience journey has to be consistent with the brand promise that we would have made. If I'm going to be in product development, product design, I may never talk to a customer in my life, but again, I need to be clear on what is the brand promise that we've said we would have delivered on to the customer. That promise is what has to guide my development. It has to guide the brainstorming. It has to guide production. All of that is part of, again, how are we as an organization end-to-end -end delivering on that promise to the customer? And so that's why it's so very important, no matter where someone is in the company, they have to appreciate the brand, the promise, the value proposition, and how their role contributes to being able to deliver on those to the customer at the end of the day. And so if, if one of your brand promises to your customers was, we really simplify the process of whatever it is that we deliver. We make it really simple, really easy. But then you hit our website <laughs> and finding the information or signing up or, or, well, you have to go jump through these five hoops to become a customer or, or once you, we've got your signed agreement, we need, you know, you get, we send you five emails saying, mm -hmm. Hey, can I have this piece of information? Oh, I also need this piece of information. Suddenly yeah. it's not so simple. Right. And, yeah. and that disconnect is, is, uh, is apparent and, and whoever's designing those processes probably doesn't understand that we're supposed to be making this simple for the customer. Absolutely. Perfect example, Mike. <laughs> So then how do we do that? I mean, it's one thing. I mean, we could just give them a copy of, copy of our marketing materials and say, do this. But it's probably more than that. So how would you, you know, when you're talking about the internal marketing, how do we spread that gospel uh, to our internal customer or clients or employees? Um, how do we tell them and indoctrinate them into who we are as an organization? What does that process look like? 
Wow. Well, you know, again, I love the, I love that you've introduced the phrase formally in this conversation, which is internal marketing, right? And I like to say that internal marketing is probably one of the biggest blind spots that companies have these days. And as a marketer, I can say that I too have been guilty for quite some time. And I get it, right? Because we're in business, everybody's focused on the customer. And we spend so much time getting to know who our customers are, what do they want, and designing our services and our products around meeting their expectations and ultimately serving them in a way that's better than the competition so that we can maximize on, on profits and, and grow the bottom line. We typically tend to forget the employees and in that equation, right? And so the same amount of energy and effort that we spend onboarding our customers, turning them into raving fans of the brand, we need to be investing that same amount of time and energy in our people because it is the people that will be the ones who will be delivering on that promise to the customer. And so if we can't turn our employees into raving fans, how can we turn our customers into raving fans, right? So let's start off by seeing our employees in the same way we see our customers as people and so you talk about how do we get that going the first thing is you're going to have to develop a deep understanding of who your employees are so when you think about typically when we're designing a new product or service we kind of go out there and do our research we're going to have to start with research understanding who our employees are. How engaged are they in the brand? Do they know the brand? Do they know what we stand for? Do they know the history of our organization? Do they know what makes us different? What makes us better? Do they understand the products and services that we deliver and why someone should choose our products and services over someone else? Do that research, understand, because at the end of the day, if they're not clear, then you recognize, okay, this is where the work needs to happen. These, This is how we need to address this problem. And I'd say that's the very first step that you need to take is doing that deep dive research. I prefer a survey. You could probably throw in some focus groups as well to give you that deeper dive. But it's at the beginning of the day, understanding what your employees know of the brand, how do they feel about it, how do they feel about the culture, the products, the services, and trying to understand where the weak points are with respect to how well have we been doing at marketing to our employees. So on the marketing side, and I own my company, and I've spent, you know, oodles of money on, on marketing <laughs> over the years, and about 30% of it worked. And I, if I knew which 30% actually worked is be the, you know, I'd be, I'd be a lot better off, but I, yes. I just keep throwing money at it and some of it works, some of it doesn't. But one of the big topics is always knowing your customer, having your customer avatar, having this, mm -hmm. this is what our customer looks like. This is, you know, and this is how they feel about things. This is, and having that really specific avatar that we're, you know, so we know who we're selling to. Yes. And often I guess that that avatar is going to be very different than the avatar for our typical employee. I mean, if we're selling luxury cars uh, to, you know, you know, hundred thousand, yeah. hundred fifty thousand dollar vehicles to a certain customer, those aren't going to be the folks who are uh, working in the plant That's manufacturing right. them. So, That's so right. what is it when you, you know, you mentioned surveys, are, are you really talking about building an avatar of your typical employee, that kind of thing, or, um, you know, what, what kind of data are we trying to get out of the, the, the surveys, really? 
That's a great question. And well, the, the first thing is that when you're doing the surveys, you're trying to understand where your weak points are with respect to how well you've been doing in engaging employees and onboarding them in the mission, the vision, the purpose of the brand. And even for those employees who have been with the company for quite some time, it's still valuable because whether or not they feel a connection to the brand or they understand the brand or they just, whether or not they know what your products and services are and what makes them great, that's important to know. And while there's still value in the avatar process or designing avatars for your employees, which is great more so for communication and designing your internal marketing and communications campaigns, what you're really trying to do, Mike, is to get to the heart of the why of your employees, right? So you gave a great example about your luxury car company. Most of your employees probably will never be able to afford a luxury car. That's okay. That's They're not who we're targeting as an avatar. But recognize again that they're going to be a core part of delivering on that promise and experience to the customer. And a huge part of being able to create that connection between them and the brand is connecting the whys. Start with why. Why is it your employee works with the company? Why is it you exist as a company? And how can you find a shared purpose together between your company mission, vision, and purpose and their mission, vision, and purpose as individuals? I always like to say that employees, they don't work for companies, they work for themselves, right? So there are usually many different reasons why an employee works with the company that they do. But once you're able to tap into the why of the employees that are part of your organization that is delivering on the promise to the customer, once you're able to connect their why with the why of the company, you have a wonderful opportunity to create and brainstorm around messaging and things that get you on the same page and get them consistently excited about delivering on that promise and being part of an organization that does just that. And I would imagine that once you define that why for the from the employee side, these are, you know, for our most successful employees, the employees who are really engaged, who really care, just like our ideal customer, our ideal employees, uh, these are their whys, then you start looking for that as you prospect for new employees as as we go out and, and try to – so talk about how, how that plays in because I can imagine – Back to the luxury car model. If I'm, you know, selling hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollar vehicles or more, somebody who hates rich people and is, uh, you know, always mad about what they don't have in life, they may not really be engaged with the brand. You know, you say, oh well, you know, you may not be able to sell them that. Hey, we're so proud of the quality of what we do when we get up and come to work every day. They may not be buying into that because there's such a disconnect between their worldview. So. How how do you kind of tie that into the 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 employee selection process when you're when you're looking at the why? Well, that's another great question, and and that's a beauty again about internal marketing. In the same way that you have your target audience of a customer, you really should also be looking at well, what kind of employee do I want on board? And I know that's a controversial topic because I've heard many opinions of folks saying, "Hey, we shouldn't be hiring based on values, or we shouldn't be hiring based on people who have a particular leaning or, or, or belief system." But the reality is of it is is that in the same way that we're so crystal clear about the type of customer we want, not just demographics, but psychographics as well. In the same way, I think we should be paying as much attention 
to the types of employees that we have on board. When you think of some of the great brands, Mike, like the Southwest Airlines and uh, back in the day, Zappos of former glory, I haven't, I haven't heard much about them recently. But when you listen in on how they recruit, it's fascinating. You know, they, they have processes where even the receptionist at the door and the security guard or the parking attendant are part of the process, right? Because these candidates come in, they want to get as an authentic view as possible of how these candidates operate under pressure in unique environments, because these are brands that are delivering on such a unique promise and a unique experience that if they don't have the right people on board, that's a challenge, right? And so it's so very important that companies who are serious about delivering on a unique value proposition and on a unique experience to their customer consistent with the purpose of their brand that they give and pay that kind of attention to their employees. And the more that you're able to onboard and retain great employees who are engaged and happy about working with your organization, then it spins around. They're going to attract the very same people to work for you as well in their own network. So that's why it's so important, Mike. It's really critical that we be as deliberate about attracting the right quote unquote avatar of an employee to help us to deliver as opposed, in addition to how we attract customer avatars as well. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of business recertification credit. And if you're a SHRM certified professional, this episode is approved for half a professional development credit. To obtain the research information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credit. Then select episode 96 and enter the keyword marketing. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. And if you're looking for even more recertification credit, check out the webinars page at imperativeinfo.com. There you'll find 13 hours of recorded webinars, each approved for an hour of recertification credit by both HRCI and SHRM. Three are even approved for HRCI business credit and one qualifies for ethics credit. You can access all of these webinars for free at imperativeinfo.com. And now back to my conversation with Carrie Ann Betton Stimson. So we've got a, a base of employees and what are some things, you know, we've got a mission, vision, you know, value proposition that we share with our, our, our clients, our customers, and we know what they want. And what are some things we can do to make that really matter to our employees and, and still integrate what our employees want out of their experience as employees? Uh, and, you know, what, do you have some strategies around that? So, well, first of all, I think it's important to ask the question, why marketing to your employees really matters? And I know we've been speaking a lot about ensuring that we onboard the right people. We've spoken about how do we retain employees in, in, in the environment. And we've also spoken about really how are we delivering on the brand promise to the customer? But one of the best things I think about internal marketing as well is how are we empowering our employees to be advocates of the brand externally? So when you talk about building strategies, all of those strategies come back to the heart of or certainly should come back to the heart of 
helping your employees to see the value and the outcome for them right uh, because the truth is customers like to do business with people they don't like to do business with companies and so when we talk about onboarding and engaging and empowering our people to ultimately become advocates of the brand you're really creating a fabulous army of people who are carrying the brand and promoting the brand and delivering on the promise in a way that's so memorable to the customer that you're building word of mouth in in, in in such an awesome way. And anybody who is a marketer or anybody in business knows word of mouth is the best kind of business, right? So when we talk about strategies that we can put in place, you're talking about a engaging your employees first in the mission, the vision, the purpose, making sure, number two, making sure that they understand the products and the services that you offer and why those products and services are just so the, the most superior in, of its kind, assuming that they're superior, of course, but making sure that the employees understand the products and the services that are offered and why those products and services are better than the competition. But another thing that's important as well is helping to empower employees to find their voices. And I know we're going into the realm of what is a wonderful offshoot of internal marketing, but it's empowering employees to know how to promote the brand externally as well. Uh, because ultimately, we're trying to build raving fans of employees. We're trying to build raving fans out of our employees. And so I always start from the position of how are we engaging and move from engagement to empowerment, giving them the tools and making them feel comfortable and excited enough to be able to share their brand and, and what it does to the external customer and to prospective customers as well. So that's what I would suggest, Mike. It's starting from engaging them in the mission, vision, purpose, ensuring that they're aligned, getting them excited, and then ultimately giving them the tools that they need to be wonderful advocates to the customers externally as well. And so those tools include, like if we are, let's say we are marketing ourselves to our external customers as the high value, more expensive, but high value white glove, exclusive type product, we probably have to treat our employees to a certain extent as though they are capable of delivering those high quality products and 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 that they have pride in what they do and and so constantly reinforcing that message as you know that this is who we are as an organization kind of uh, you know tell the inter internal stories that we tell ourselves as an organization about who we are just kind of con consistently repeating that. Yeah. And I mean, when we say tools, I mean, the tools will differ based on the industry that you're in and the company that you're in. But to my mind, the two, the tools really start, first of all, with information, right? Uh, we did a survey with our customer, with our employees, rather, a couple of years back for the same reason. And we realized there's so many of our employees who really didn't understand the products and services that we offer. So we created videos and content for them to consume, which were basically like mini training sessions on what our products were and why they're better than the competition, right? So that was super valuable. What we've also realized is that when we were rolling out campaigns externally, 
we needed to start with internal engagement first. So we would hold like town hall meetings and roll out internal podcasts because we really wanted to make sure that our employees first understood the messages that we were putting out externally. They got first dibs and they got onboarded and excited about it before we rolled it out externally. We also found that there were some employees who wanted to and a lot of companies love this when employees use their social media channels to talk about how great it is to work for company ABC, right? Uh, we provide content for them as well. How do you empower folks to build their personal brands on social media in a way that's consistent with the brand? Those are just some of the examples of the tools that companies can use to ultimately, yes, get employees ex excited and engaged in the first instance, but onboarding them and empowering them as part of that external voice to the customer. And understanding that even if they never talk to a customer, they've got a giant opportunity to impact that customer. We're a, you know, we're a, a background investigations company. That's what I've got an HR consulting practice. And I also have this background investigations company imperative. And we deal with clients who are very risk averse and uh, tend to be higher touch, white glove, you know, uh, pretty ex high expectations. And, and, and we're, con I'm constantly reminding our external customers and prospects, but also our internal clients, and uh, our, our internal employees that, you know, we serve these risk averse clients. We're helping them make well informed decisions about the people they involve in their business. Yes. And, and that includes their personal business. We do background checks for families that are hiring nannies and mm -hmm. caregivers like that. Mm. And, you know, there's probably nothing we do that more can, could go wrong greater if we didn't do it well, but also yeah. gives them that sense of security. And so we talk a lot internally about our, you know, our clients being able to take whatever we give them to the bank and, yeah. and empowering our employees to say, okay, if you're ever, if a piece of data doesn't look right before we take it out of a background check or put it in, you've got carte blanche. You can go those extra steps so that you feel comfortable that what we're giving the client is really going to serve them well. And we go through those kind of things in our three, you know, we've got three core values and we reiterate them all the time, those kinds of, of issues. And we talk about those in the, in the, the uh, application process, the interview yes. process. And then on day one, I sit down with every employee to go to lunch, have a conversation about our, 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 our mission, who we serve, how we serve them and our values and just drive that home. And quite honestly, the only time we ever have an employee issue is when mm -hmm. somebody is not living our values. Ah. And, and that's always the red flag. You know, that's, mm -hmm. I can train somebody to do background checks if they've got the competencies and, you know, and, but our issue is always, okay, there's some value misalignment here. And that's, yeah. and we can't afford that as an organization because that misalignment will eventually find itself in front of a customer somehow, even if that employee never talks to a customer. Yeah. So I really yeah. resonate with what you're saying about yeah. making sure the employees really get it and understanding who you are. And and, and I like the, the idea of internal podcast and videos. I'm going to totally steal the, the video idea and, and do more oh, around sure. videos <laughs> to our employees. That's great. Sure, sure. Any other thoughts about ways that employ, employers can make sure that their employees feel confident uh, well, or really engage with the product or service that we provide, but then really feel confident in how to, uh, how to present it 
to their friends, family, or just the community at large? Well, first of all, I think it starts from a place of what I like to call safety, right? Are we creating a safe environment where employees feel that it's okay for them to advocate on behalf of the brand externally? Because what I found is there are some companies don't create that space of safety. It's like, well, you can't have a social media account or you can't talk about what a great day I had at work today working for company ABC. You know, they're, they're really very, very stringent controls about what employees can say and do externally to their own networks. And so I, my, my point is always to start from a place of safety. Do we have the right culture and environment that helps employees to feel comfortable to advocate for, for the brand? So that's the first thing. Of course, there are ways to put in your social media policies to mitigate. That's a whole other conversation, but it starts from a place of safety. It also starts with the culture. Are we leading from the top? You know, uh, is the leader of, are the leaders rather of the organization from the CEO right across the C-suite senior management? Are they living the values? And again, are they creating that kind of cultural environment that really makes a difference as far as engaging employees in the mission, the vision, the purpose that you're marketing to us, right? Uh, so it's it's very important to get leadership buy-in. It's very important to lead from the top. It's very important to have the culture in place. And again, I would also say that if we can give employees the opportunity to be able to build their personal brands, if that's what they want to do, or give them the information that they need to easily share and tell them how they can do that, I think that's the cherry on top. Because if it, it's one thing for employees to feel excited about the company that they're working with, but it's another thing to give them the tools that they need to be able to share that awesome story externally. And to my mind, once all of those things are in place, then you got the winning formula. You've created essentially an army of employees because you have your marketing team there doing their thing already. Uh, but it's super expensive to do marketing a lot of the times. It's as we know it. Uh, and oftentimes, again, back to the point, folks, people want to do business with people. So if you can create that army of brand ambassadors, which are your employees, to talk about the brand externally and to give them the opportunity, knowing how they can do that, that they feel safe, that culturally it's accepted, they see everybody from the top down doing it, then to my mind, you got a winning formula. It's creating that wonderful army of employees that help to build the brand and drive growth. And to me, that's the best way they can do it. So if, if a leader in HR or people operations sees the need to do that, what is that outreach to marketing? I mean, how do marketing and people operations really cooperate or integrate what they're trying to do in a way that's, that's effective? How do, you, how do you see those relationships typically working successfully? That's a great question. So, Tim, in my view, it starts well on the, you have the HR side, you have the marketing side, and I don't want to leave out my internal comms folks because a lot of what we're talking about involves internal communications. And depending on the company that you're in, there's internal comms, maybe in HR. In my company, it's in HR. And in other companies, it could actually be part of marketing or external or feature of corporate com communications, but all the roles work together in my view. HR, to my mind, plays an awesome role as far as the culture leaders and, and setting the temperature and the tone as far as what's necessary to drive and cr create and drive that culture in the organization. But marketing 
provides that kind of a marketing mindset as far as understanding the customers. And really what we're driving at is changing behavior. So marketing and HR with internal comms can come together and create that marketing plan, that marketing and communications plan to employees and HR being the place where we can always keep a finger on what's happening with our employee base, the mindset, uh, the, the, the challenges, the strengths, the areas of development, all of those things. They're really the voice of the employee to marketing, to internal comms. How can we come together as those functions to my mind is, is what is the best way to do it? So that's for me where it starts. HR with the culture marketing with the behavior shift coming together to create that wonderful internal marketing plan and to execute it accordingly with great internal communications mixed up in there as well. And that is a perfect place to end this conversation. But thank you so much for uh, joining me today, Carrie Ann. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate this conversation and uh, great to meet you. Likewise. And thank you for listening. You can comment on this episode or search our previous episodes at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. And thank you to Imperative's marketing coordinator, Marianne Hernandez, who keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always... Don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, keep your chin up.